Welcome to the Life Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church based in North Dallas with a desire to help people love God, love people, and make a difference. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Wrapping up a study we've been doing uh, that I've, I've titled Called to Be Saints. And in this, in this study for the past couple of weeks, we've been focusing on our calling as Christians, and we are indeed called to be saints. And so let me just kind of define that word one more time because I know we can kind of uh, get a little bit sideways and disqualify ourselves, thinking, hey, I'm not a saint. Somebody else may be a saint, but not me. But this is what that word means. A saint means someone who is set apart by God for a special purpose. So nowhere in that definition does it say that a saint is perfect. It's not in there. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that a righteous man falls, but he gets back up again. A righteous man. Praise the Lord. So keep getting back up. Hallelujah. Let the Lord set you apart for his purpose. Let him use you in a special way. And so we are saints of the Most High God, and we're taking our our, our title from 1 Corinthians 1 and 2 where it says, the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord, by theirs and ours. So tonight as we close this out, I, I want to spend our time talking about our life calling our specific purpose for being on earth. What, what is the reason that God puts you here? What, what is the reason that God created you for? Listen, yeah, God wants you to be a believer. He wants you to be a follower. Yes, he wants you to find a place to serve in the kingdom of God. He's given you gifts, and, and some of us have some sort of ministry. Maybe you're a part of the dream team, but, but what is your purpose? Beyond how you serve in the local church, what is your life purpose? What is your calling? So before we get to talking about what your purpose is, I want to begin by talking about what your purpose is not. And if you're taking notes or following along in the notes, here's, here's number one tonight. Your purpose is not tied to a season. It's not tied to a season. Purpose is bigger than that. Your purpose is bigger than a period of time. Your purpose, your God-given purpose isn't tied to a season. Another way to say that is that your purpose is not your current position. No matter what your position is. You may love your position, but that still don't mean that that's your purpose. 1 Samuel chapter 16, this was the the chapter that Brother James Wilson uh, used as his text this past Sunday, and and God used him in a special way, didn't he? Amen. Anybody going to stand while you're waiting? Does anybody remember that your posture matters? While you wait, your posture matters. So 1 Samuel 16, this, this was when the prophet Samuel came to anoint David as king, and this is what Verse 10 of 1 Samuel 16 begins with, it says, Thus Jesse, he made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. 
And then Samuel said or, or to, to Jesse, are, are these all the young men? Are they all here? All the young men here? And then he said, there remains yet the youngest. And there he is. He's out in the field. He's out in the pasture. He's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him. And that he wasn't going to do what until David came. He wasn't going to sit down. I, I will not sit down until he comes here. Verse 12 then says, so he sent and brought him in. Now he was ready. Now that word ready could mean that he had red hair or maybe maybe rosy cheeks, but he was, he was ready, the Bible says, and he had bright eyes and he was good looking. It's a pretty nice description, isn't it? He was ruddy, bright eyes, and he was good looking. And then the Lord said this to Samuel about David. He said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. This is the one. Now, wouldn't it be nice if God showed up and did that for all of us? That, that would be, be pretty incredible to have a prophet show up at your house and announce what your purpose is. It'd be incredible to have a prophet show up and, and get the anointing oil and dump it out on you and, and tell everybody, hey, she's the one. He's the one. And not only did, did David have a prophet show up and tell him that he was the one, not only did, did David have a prophet show up and tell him what he was called to do, but his calling was pretty incredible as well, wasn't it? He was anointed. He was called to be a king. So th this might be really appealing to some of you right now. I mean, this, this being, being the king sounds pretty nice, doesn't it? I mean, being, being the boss sounds pretty good. You know, some of you probably like to be in charge, and you'd like to be rich, and you'd like to have servants waiting on your every whim, and you'd like to live in an opulent castle but listen, while Samuel indeed told David that he'd be the next king, what he didn't tell David was that from that point on, he was going to have a target on his chest. What, what, what Samuel didn't tell David, that was because of his purpose, because of his calling, that people are going to be trying to kill him for the rest of his life. Anybody still want to be king? Samuel didn't tell him that. Listen, when God gave Joseph the dream that his brothers was, were going to bow down to him, Joseph got pretty excited about that. As a matter of fact, he got so excited that he went and blabbed it to his brothers. But when, when, when God told, gave Joseph that dream, God conveniently left out the part about the pit. God conveniently left out the part about being a slave. He didn't tell him the part about being falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. He didn't tell him about being forgotten in prison. He didn't do that, right? This is the reason why I'm saying this tonight. It's because of this, because we all go through seasons of life, and some of our seasons, we're not going to like them. But just because you're in a season that you don't like, that doesn't mean your calling has changed. Just because you're in a season that maybe you're not enjoying, that doesn't mean that your purpose has been altered. We all go through seasons. 
And your season may be different than my season right now. And my season may be different than your season right now. But our purpose is steady. Our purpose is constant regardless of the season. Listen, even David, when we talk about his calling, David had several different jobs that he fulfilled before he ever became king. David was a shepherd before he was a king. As a matter of fact, back here in 1 Samuel 16, when they anointed him to be king, you know what happened after that? He didn't go down and get fitted for a crown at Kings R Us. You know what he did? He went back to the pasture. He went back to the sheep. He went back to doing what he was new to do at that point. And if God was going to make him king, that was going to be God's business. So he had other jobs before he ever became a king. He was a musician. As a matter of fact, he was King Saul's personal musician. Before David became king, he served in the military. So he had other seasons of life. He had other things that he did before he ever got to the point of fulfilling the prophecy that Samuel had announced over him. And then when he became king, the seasons didn't stop then. Just because he arrived at that place, the seasons continued. So hear me tonight. No matter what your life calling is, there will be seasons. There will be ups and downs. There will be challenges. There, there will be opposition. There will be times of flourishing while there are other times of floundering. There are seasons in life. So let, let me give you an example of this. Let's say that maybe... Uh, you're here tonight, and, and, and your life calling, one, one of the primary purposes that you feel uh, while, while you're on earth is to be a mom. That's a very high calling. May, and, and you know, that, that, that's, that's a noble thing. That's, that's a wonderful thing. I, I'm going to be a mom, may, maybe even a stay-at-home mom, if that's what you feel to do and if that's what's possible for you. Listen, that's a, that's a good thing. That's a noble calling and purpose especially in the world that we live in where culture is throwing everything at our kids. They, they've loaded both barrels, right? We need more godly moms. We need more godly dads. I'm not leaving you out, men. But let's just say that you feel like that's your calling, that's your purpose, that, hey, it's not, it's not so much about you, but it's about those kids that you're raising, that your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God. It might be, instead of your gift, it might be those gifts that you're cultivating in your kids. But listen, as a mom, you're going to go through seasons. You're going to go through seasons when you have young children, but this season will pass. Those of you who had babies and infants, and there's a couple of them here tonight, listen, it goes like that. It is a season it's a season, and you're going to go through them. Listen, you're going to get to a season where your kids reach school age, and they start school, and that will be a season while they're in school. And then your kids are going to become teenagers, and this is the season where you learn to pray without ceasing. It's that season. Then you're going to have a season where your kids go to college. That's the season of life that we're in with our girls right now. And then maybe you have a season where they get serious about finding a mate, right? You're really going to have to pray then. Then you have a season where possibly they get married and they leave home. And then you might have a season where your children have children. But you'll go through seasons. And seasons come 
and seasons go in all of our lives. And that's why it's so important tonight to know that your purpose is not tied to your season. Your purpose is not predicated by your current position because positions change. Seasons come and seasons go. Think think about it like this. If you don't like your boss right now and if you don't like your job right now, it's a season. And it will likely pass. But while you're in this season, you need to keep on standing. You need to have the right posture like Brother Wilson preached about Sunday. You need to ask God, hey, what do I need to learn in this season? What do I need to glean in this season? God, what are you trying to teach me in this season of life? Because if you don't learn that lesson with this current boss, you might get a worse boss. So there's seasons. Yes, David was a king, but he went through seasons. Here's the second thing. Your purpose is not the source of your provision. Your purpose is not the source of your provision. Many, many times our, our purpose lines up with our career, the way we make a living, right? Many, many, many times that happens. Not always, but sometimes it does. But church, it's important to know that your job, that, that your career is not really the source of your provision. God is the source. God is the source of your provision. I, I don't just mean that financially. I mean God provides everything that we need. If you need a spouse, he'll provide the right spouse. If you won't get in a hurry and get ahead of him and mess it up, he'll provide the right one. He'll provide the right house at the right time. He'll provide the right job, but we need to know God is our provider, that we're not our own provider, that our career is not our provider, but God is our provider. In 2 Samuel chapter 15, we find David He's in a particular season of life after he became king, and David had a son named Absalom. And this is what we read beginning in verse number 1 of 2 Samuel 15. After this, it happened that Absalom provided himself, not God provided. Absalom took things in his own hands. Absalom provided himself chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. He wanted to have an entourage. Absalom wanted to make a grand entrance. He wanted to make an impression. So he, he kind of got ahead of God, and he provided some things for himself. Verse 2 says, Now Absalom, he would rise early, and he would stand before the way to the gate. And so it was that anyone who had a lawsuit, they came to the king for a decision, and Absalom would call to them and say, What city are you from? And Absalom would say, servant is from such and such a tribe of Israel. And then Absalom would say to him, look, your case is good. You got a good case. You got a good argument. And your case is right, but there is no deputy of the king to hear you. In other words, Absalom said, hey, this administration is failing you. This administration is letting you down. Verse 4, moreover, Absalom would say, oh, that I were made judge in the land, and everybody who had a suit or a cause could come to me, and I would give them justice. 
And so it was that whenever anyone came near to bow down to him, that he would put out his hand and take him and kiss him. And in this manner, Absalom acted towards all Israel who came to the king for judgment. He inserted himself between the people and the king. So Absalom, what did he do? He stole the hearts of the men of Israel. So as you can see here, this was the beginning of a coup. This was the beginning of an effort to overthrow the throne of David. Absalom was absolutely undermining his father's leadership. He was trying to capture the heart of the people, and he did this for many, many years, the Bible tells us. Listen, Absalom was trying to provide a position and a purpose for himself instead of letting God provide his position and purpose. Let me just stop right there and say this. If you have to manipulate to get it, you're going to have to manipulate to keep it. But if God gives it to you, nobody can take that away from you. Come on, if you've got to get your hands all in it, you've got to put somebody else down, you've got to make somebody else look bad, if you've got to manipulate it to take hold of it, then that's what it's going to require. And guess what? someone's going to turn around and manipulate you. But if God does it, if you say, hey, I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait with the right posture. I'm, I'm going to wait with expectation. If you allow God to get involved and not do what Absalom did, he got things ahead uh, of schedule. He, he, he went about doing things the wrong way. Listen, it's a whole lot better to let God provide for you than instead of you trying to provide for yourself. Your career is not your provision. Your job's not your provision. God is your provision. God is your provision. Asaph was the chief musician for David, and here's what Asaph wrote in Psalm 75, verse 6 and 7. He says, For exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. Where does exaltation come from? But God. God is the judge. He puts one down. And he exalts another. Listen to me tonight. God is the one that you want exalting you. God is the one you want lifting you up. He is the one who promotes. So Absalom was plotting this coup and, and he went to Hebron and he declared himself to be king. And then after this, let me tell you what happened. When Absalom went and declared himself as king, the Bible tells us that David fled the city. You gotta remember who this is. This, let me tell you who's running here. This is David. This is King David. He's leaving the city. He's fleeing. He's getting out of there. I want you to remember this. David was a great warrior. But in this instance, instead of staying and fighting, he chose to trust God's provision. So the Bible says that he got out of the city. He, he left the town, and that's when a, when a very well-known story in, 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 this, in this book took place, and this, this account took place in the life of David. There, there was a guy by the name of Shimei, and he threw rocks at David, and he cursed David. And so Abishai, who was Joab's brother, one of David's mighty men, said, who is this dead dog that he's going to curse my king? Abishai was ready to rip a knot into Shimei. He, he was ready to take care of him. As a matter of fact, here's what he said. If you'll just give me permission, I'll go and I'll, I'll cut his head off. That's what he said. But this is what David responded 
to Abishai in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse number 11. He said, leave him alone. Don't lift your hand. Don't unsheath your sword. Let him alone and let him curse if he wants to. For so the Lord has ordered him. Listen, I want you to know Abishai was one of the mighty men. He could have done it. He could have taken care of this scoundrel. He could have taken Shimei's head off and shut him up. But David said, no, maybe, maybe God has a purpose in this. Maybe there's something that God is doing here that we don't understand. We don't, we don't like it. This is a season we're not enjoying, but we're going to trust God anyhow. We're not going to take matters into our own hand. We're not going to lift the sword against Absalom and his followers. We're not going to do it. We're going to trust God in this matter. Then a few chapters later, we see David, and he's having a conversation with Zadok about the Ark of the Covenant. You may remember that the Ark of the Covenant, this housed the presence of God in those days. And they, it was where the glory of the Lord dwelled. And so, so if the children of Israel were out in a battle and they had the Ark of the Covenant with them, they were victorious. When the presence of the Lord was with them, they prevailed. But if they didn't have the Ark, they were defeated. They lost. So you'd think that, you know what, when David decided to leave, when, when David saw this coup emerging, when he decided to get out of town, you'd think that David would have taken the ark with him, right? Hey, you know, whoever has the ark is victorious. Whoever has the ark has the Lord on their side, and you would think that's what David would do. And that, that way that if Absalom showed up, David could just go stand by the ark. What you going to do now? I'm just standing here with the presence of the Lord. But that's not what David did, right? But David knew his provision came from God. And that's why we read this in 2 Samuel chapter 15, beginning with verse 25. Then the king said to Zadok, carry the ark of God back into the city. It doesn't need to be out here with me. Get it back into the city. And if I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he, who is he? That's a capital H that denotes deity, Right? Anytime you see that capitalized, that means God. God will bring me back. And God will show me both it and his dwelling place. But if he says thus, then I have no delight in you. Here I am. Then let God do as seems good to him. Praise God. Listen, church, David had a firm understanding that God's in control. I don't have to manipulate the situation. I don't have to try to work it out because God is in control. God can fight the battle much better than I can, and he knew that, and he understood that. That's why he could say, listen, if God wants to bring me back as the people's leader, God will take care of it. God will take care of this because he's big enough. He is capable of that. So tonight, if there's someone here this evening who is, who's, who's going through a difficult time, or maybe there's a particular person in your life who has given you a difficulty, let me remind you that God is in control, and whatever it is you're facing, God is big enough to take care of it. You, you need to know something tonight. You need to know that nobody can derail your destiny except for you. I don't care how obnoxious that person is. I don't care how much they get under your skin. Nobody can derail your destiny except for you. 
There's no boss that can. There's no company. There's no person. No one else can keep you from your God-called destiny. Only you. Only you can. And David understood this. David understood his purpose was not the source of his provision. God. Somebody take your finger and point up. That, that, he's the source of our provision tonight, church. Hallelujah. Lift your eyes a little bit higher. Lift your eyes up and, and look to the hills where your help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord God Almighty. God is our provision. Amen. Get, get, you might want to get your hands off of it and let God get his hands on it. Quit trying to manipulate it. Quit trying to work it out. Praise God. That brings me to my final point. The first two points were what your purpose is not, but this is how you're going to find your purpose tonight. Your purpose is in what you pursue. It's in what you pursue. Now, obviously, we pursue God. We pursue serving God. We pursue loving God. We pursue what, God call, what's God, what God's call is on our life. We, we pursue it. We go after it. We're interested in it. Here, here, here's a great scripture. It's found in the book of Acts, chapter 13. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, he fell asleep. That means he died. He was buried with his father. Same verse in the ESV version. It makes it a little clearer. Here's, here's what it says. For David, after he had served the purpose of God, he found his purpose. He fulfilled his purpose. After he served the purpose of God in his own generation, he fell asleep and he was laid with his fathers. Listen, he served the purpose of God, it says, for his generation. He fulfilled the will of God for his life. What, what a great epitaph, right? What a, what a great thing to have said about you. But let's think back about David's life. Was David perfect? But he served the purpose of God. In the New King James, he, he, he served the will of God. He fulfilled the will of God. But he wasn't perfect, right? Matter of fact, there, there was a time, a well-known time, most of us that are familiar with it, David messed up royally. Let, let me tell you why he messed up. Here's why David messed up. He quit pursuing his purpose. He quit pursuing the purpose that God had for his life. Let me show you this account. It's found in 2 Samuel, beginning with verse 11. Verse 1 says, It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings went out to battle. But instead of going into battle, here's what David did. David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Reba. And then David remained at Jerusalem. He stayed put. Instead of going out, he remained. Then it happened. Because he quit pursuing his purpose. Because he quit pursuing his calling. Then it happened. One evening, David was, arose from his bed. He arose from his bed and he walked out on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful to behold. You see, if David had been pursuing the purpose of God in his life, he would have never seen Bathsheba. If he would have been doing what God called him to do, he would have never had that opportunity to fall into sin. And the same thing can be said for us tonight. 
Listen, we go through seasons when we're being successful. We go through seasons when we're getting things accomplished, when when we're doing things right, so to speak. But then what do we do so many times? We forsake our pursuit of God. Things are going well. Things are going our way. And so we relax. Rather than going out and staying in the fight, we stay home and take our ease. We stop pursuing the purpose of God. So some people have what we call a midlife crisis, right? They reach a point in their life where where they're not getting any fulfillment out of their life. They they reach a point where they they feel like, you know, they're in a dead-end career and, you know, they're in a dead-end life in general and they're just kind of rehashing the same old terrain. But listen, that's the problem because our meaning isn't supposed to come from things. Because our fulfillment is not supposed to come from our career. It's not supposed to come from promotions. It's not, it's not supposed to come from a, from a bigger paycheck. Right? Our provision comes from the Lord. Our, our meaning, our fulfillment ought to come from a relationship with God. L- listen to this. Listen to this. Let's just make it simple. A midlife crisis is simply a mishandled change of season. That's what happens when you have a midlife, you're changing seasons and it throws you for a loop. You're not in that season that you once were and you're not familiar with it because you used to do this in that season, but now that doesn't work in this new season that you're in. So that's what a midlife crisis is, a mishandled change of season. It's a time when we need to go back to God and ask, hey, Lord, what's next? I'm in, I'm in a new place. I'm, I'm in a new frame of mind. I, 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 I'm in a, in a new, new time that I've not been in before. Where do I go from here? What do you want me to do in this season? What's my next assignment? Listen, my wife and I, we've had many seasons in, in, in our ministry up to this point in our life. We have, we've had different, different seasons that we've, we've stepped into, and I'm so thankful for the current season that the Lord has us in. And listen, I want it to last a long time. I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea about what I'm getting ready to say. I'm not resigning. If you want to fire me, you can fire me, but I'm not resigning. We're in a season, though. We Thank you. We had, hallelujah. It's nice somebody to have your back. We've had different seasons leading up to here. My wife, one of the first things that she said when when she spoke to this congregation, she's like, I don't want to die young, but I want to die here. And so, but we've had seasons that have led us to this point. And you know what? Listen, when the time of this season comes to a close or needs to come to to a close, that, that will be when I can no longer effectively lead this church forward. I don't want to outlive my season here. I don't want to extend beyond my effectiveness here as the pastor of this church. Reaching this city matters more than than me being pastor. This this church continuing to step into its God-called vision means more than me being pastor. So at some point, if I'm no longer effective and leading, I need to get out of the way. And I need to start a new season. Not planning to do that anytime soon. But listen, I'm just telling you, that's the way it will work. You know, when's it going to happen? If I ever lose my passion to help people grow in their relationship with God, 
I need to say, okay, it's time for me to do something different. It's time for me to move into the next season because, listen, that's where it all started for me. That's where this whole ministry thing started. My call to preach was born out of that passion that I wanted to help people get a personal relationship with God and then begin to grow in that relationship with the Lord. That's how it all started. As a teenager, I had a burden for my friends. I saw them drifting, and I saw them making bad decisions, and, and so I had a burden for my contemporaries, and I wanted to see them live for God, and so you know what that led me to do? That led me to pray for them. That led me to intercede for them. That led me to reach out to them when I saw them drifting away from God. That, that led me to try to set an example for them. That's what drove me then. And listen, that's what drives me now. It's to help people get connected to a personal relationship with Jesus and then to see people begin to grow. So when I no longer have the title of pastor of the life church, and I hope it's a long time from now, but I want you to know when I no longer have this title, my position will not change. My purpose will not change. My position will. My purpose, though, will not change. My position might look different. What I do may look different. I may enter into a different season of life, but my purpose will remain. I'll just find a different way to do to fulfill what my purpose is. Praise God. Let me close with a couple verses found in the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. This the most familiar of these two verses is the second chapter of Habakkuk 2. It says this, write the vision and make it plain on tablets. Or you could say this, write down your purpose. Make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. But the verse just prior to that, this is verse 2 of Habakkuk 2. But the verse just prior to that says this, I will stand my watch and I will set myself on the rampart. And wait and watch to see what he will say to me. Listen, before Habakkuk could ever write the vision, before he could ever know his purpose, he had to take a stand. He had to set himself apart. And he had to listen for the voice of God. Now, I may be your pastor, but listen, I can't listen for the voice of God for you. I can confirm the voice of God for you. I can affirm some things that God is speaking to you. But you can't abdicate that to me and say, oh, you know what? I'm not going to seek God. I'm not going to pursue. I'm not going to pursue the presence of God because I got a pastor and that's his job. And he's supposed to find out what God's will is for me. He, he's supposed to find out what my calling, what my purpose. No, no, no. I, I can't do that for you. But I can affirm it. God has a specific calling for your life. God has a unique purpose for every single one of you. And he's the only one who can reveal it. But here's what you've got to know tonight. That when he does reveal it, it's up to you to pursue it. It's up to you to pursue it. So let me ask you tonight, what's your calling? Oh, you're called to be a saint. Absolutely. You're set apart. For a specific purpose. And your purpose is different than his purpose. And his purpose is different than her purpose. We're set apart. What's your calling? What has God called you to do? That if you don't do it, it might not get done. <laughs>
What has God gifted you to do? What has God created you to do? What, what talents and abilities has he placed in you? Not so that you can get famous. Not so that you can have world acclaim. Not so you can win friends and influence people. But what has he designed you with so he could use you for his glory and his honor? What is it that gives you life when you do it? What, what is it that just really provides meaning to you that, that when you do that thing, when you're involved in this, in this activity or this ministry, what, what is it that brings the greatest fulfillment to you? You see, God's the one who gave you those desires. So don't be surprised when your desires, your spiritual desires, align with your spiritual purpose. I say it a lot of times like this when I'm when I'm teaching in foundations. But listen, God, God doesn't, He doesn't take a mountain goat, and put him in the middle, middle of the desert. And He doesn't take a camel and put him up on the side of a mountain. He created you on purpose with a specific reason, with a specific calling in mind. What is it? Would you stand with me right now? My question to you as we close this series out, and I want us to close by way of the altar tonight. As a saint of God, are you willing to pursue your purpose? You are called to be saints. And as a saint of God, are you willing to say, I'm not just going to continue to muddle through life. I'm not just going to continue to, to, to go through the motions and think somebody else is going to take care of what I'm supposed to take care of, but you're going to get serious about it, that you're going to make up in your mind, hey, I'm going to pursue God. And as I pursue God, he's going to lead me into my purpose. And as he leads me into my purpose, I'm going to make a difference in the lives of others. Some of you already know what your purpose is. But are you willing to remain committed to it? Are you willing to exercise it? Are you willing to count the cost so you can pursue it passionately? Some of you already know what it is. What are you doing about it? What steps are you taking to apprehend, to take hold, to prepare yourself? David didn't become king overnight. You might not step in the fullness of your purpose overnight. But there's some things you need to be doing in the meantime. Your posture matters, amen? While you're waiting, hallelujah. There are others tonight who might not know what your purpose is, and I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you. Begin to seek God. Begin to seek. Begin to open yourself up to Him. Invite the Lord like, like Habakkuk did. Lord, speak to me. Let me hear your voice. I want to be able to write the vision down. I want to be able to make it plain. I want to be able to tell people, this is my purpose. This is my calling. This is what God created me for. So you're going to have to hear the voice of God. Maybe you want to talk to some people that, that you believe in. Maybe you want to talk to some friends that you have confidence in. And say, hey, you know what? What do you see in me? What, what do you see in me? What do you see that God has gifted me to do? What, what do you think it might be? Let them affirm what you feel in your life. Even though seasons change, God's purpose remains. God's purpose remains. 
Can we just step out from where we are tonight and join around the front? If you're a guest and you're not comfortable with this, that's fine. This isn't about joining a church. This is just about responding to the Word of God. Everybody who's willing, let's just let's come and close this out together. We've been talking about this for a few weeks now. We are called to be saints of God. We are called, we are set apart, and we are set apart for a specific purpose. Can you make up in your mind to pursue that purpose tonight? Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you were inspired by today's sermon. Connect with the Life Church through our website, tlcdallas.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at TLC Dallas. Remember, together we can love God, love people, and make a difference. God bless.